diving into everything there is to know about renewable hydrogen. This is Purple is the New Green, a Nell Hydrogen podcast, co-hosted together with H2View. Join us as we talk about hydrogen, the energy carrier of the future, already available today. Welcome back to Purple is the New Green. I'm Lila Astle Danielson, and with me today is my trusty sidekick, Rob Cockrell. We're going with sidekick now? I thought I'd try it out. No? Hmm, undecided. Fine, fine. I thought I'd shake it up a bit, but co-host it is. Um, I'll think about it. Well, that's all I ask, really. <laughs> sure it is. So, who are we tormenting? Sorry, chatting with today. On the roster today is none other than Nell's Sales Region Manager for Eastern US and Canada, Dave Wolf. Another Canadian? There's two of you today? Nope, pretty sure Dave's American. I'm still the only crazy Canuck you're stuck with today. <laughs> well, that's a relief. To be fair, you're just the kind of crazy Canuck I'm happy to have alongside me. Well, you're welcome. I'm what? Okay. <laughs> Anyhow, Dave's going to be chatting with us about on-site versus delivered hydrogen. Ooh, great topic. Yeah, I thought you'd like this one. And I figure H2View's done some coverage on it, eh? You just had to get that A in there, didn't you? I did. It's a Canadian thing. Fair enough. And yes, H2View has definitely talked about on-site versus delivered hydrogen. It's something that's come up regularly in our interviews, and we're committed to diving more into this as a topic in its own right at H2View next year. Okay, so why is that? Well, on-site supply is very much seen as something of a holy grail in hydrogen because it's essentially taking a step out of the supply chain. You're not making this product and then trucking it or piping it all over to its end-use destination. There's obviously a slight footprint associated with that delivery, so the leaner and more efficient you can be with the supply chain, the better. On-site supply ticks that box and some people believe if you can add some element of modularity into that mix too, then even better. It's something that we see a lot in other areas too. The industrial gases business, for example, is often striving for as much on-site supply as possible. And I write a lot about that and the idea of converting so-called captive supply to on-site supply. Anyway, I won't go any further into that, but just thought it was uh, an interesting point because I'm sure Dave's got some background in industrial gases too, if I'm not mistaken. I believe you're right about that, which means it's probably a good time to bring Dave in on the conversation. Dave. Thanks so much for joining us. Lila and Rob, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And I'm very excited about hydrogen and the industrial gas industry. Well, great to have you here. Now, Dave, just to put Rob's mind at ease, you're not, in fact, Canadian. Can you confirm that? <laughs> I can confirm that. <laughs> you're oh. the only one on the call. Well, that's a relief. Lila's enough Canadian for any one podcast to handle. <laughs> Thank you. So, Dave, now that we've cleared that up, could you tell us a bit about you and your not-Canadian background? Is Rob right that there's some industrial gas background in there? Yes, I, I really spent my entire career in the industrial gas and related chemical industry. I've been uh, working uh, outside of university for uh, over 40 years, spent my first 20 years working for two major industrial gas suppliers. And a big focus of my work was related to hydrogen. And I believe that Rob is absolutely on track that uh, there's a, a real impetus to 
make uh, on-site a larger part of the hydrogen supply picture. Thanks for uh, backing me up there, Dave. Um, <laughs> so what got you into hydrogen in particular? Was it a natural transition or maybe a happy coincidence? You know, I, I think more than anything, it was just the, the direction. It was a couple of fortuitous early choices. I was part of a extremely early hydrogen from coal project back in the 70s and early 80s and got a chance to, to get started with hydrogen by coal gasification and have remained involved with hydrogen virtually since then. Now, of course, uh, with uh, Nell Hydrogen, uh, my total focus is on hydrogen and related customer needs. So on that note, how about Nell? How were we lucky enough to get you on the team? <laughs> well, there's an interesting story about that. My first employer was uh, Air Products and Chemicals, and they were and continue to be a leader in hydrogen technologies. Later, I worked for the U.S operating company of Messer. And at that time, Messer was uh, trying to develop a U.S. hydrogen infrastructure and capability. And uh, I was charged, uh, a significant part of my job at that time was to create a hydrogen capability uh, for Messer. And we explored a, a wide variety of uh, approaches to developing hydrogen infrastructure from hauling gas to, uh, to making and, and delivering liquid to various early on-site generation technologies. As part of that, I looked into small reformers, I looked into electrolysis, I looked into some other somewhat unusual technologies. And during that time, I met the four founders, uh, later joined by a fifth, which of uh, what became a Proton Onsite in the United States. And I worked with them to position their first ever industrial scale hydrogen generators at one of our Messer facilities. And it was uh, 10 meters cubed per hour in terms of hydrogen generation capacity. So it was meaningfully larger than what was typical in the United States at that time for uh, uh, hydrogen generation via electrolysis. And it was, uh, it was rough, it was kludgy, but it, it showed tremendous promise. It was truly a breakthrough in the sense that it demonstrated the capability to provide packaged, efficient, easy to operate hydrogen generation uh, on site at industrial customers. And later on, I was invited to join the Proton team. And uh, I did that something over 20, 20 years ago. So you've been with the hydrogen industry and, and also now, in fact, for quite some time. What, what keeps you here and what keeps you motivated? I find that my work at Nell engages me every day. I use my engineering background every single day and I get involved with customer applications. So I bring my understanding of hydrogen and, and chemistry and, and engineering and safety and I get a chance to 
to learn from customers what their needs are to make themselves, to make their companies uh, more profitable, safer, more environmentally aware and compliant. And uh, obviously you have to have a, an appreciation too of uh, the business objectives. You have to bring customers solutions to their problems that are both effective, but also economical. So I find these challenges to be a lot of fun to solve. And so far, my time at Nell has been uh, engaging and, and a lot of fun. Uh, that's fantastic to hear. I mean, you've mentioned some of those solutions for customers. So Dave, I've given a very brief uh, flavor of the on-site versus delivered debate, as we've already heard. Let's get a grounding in this for this episode. What's the story with on-site versus delivered hydrogen solutions? Well, I, I think the start that you made on it, Rob, uh, was was important, and that is that you know the hydrogen business uh, requires, or uh, in the past required, that hydrogen be uh, manufactured at one facility and then purified, compressed, and perhaps liquefied and then distributed to customers. One of the things that you didn't uh, specifically mention is that most of the hydrogen manufacturing is not on purpose manufacturing, but actually byproduct manufacturing. So the industrial gas industry itself generally is receiving byproduct hydrogen. And that is yet another area where a challenge to the industry because that uh, stream can change in composition or it can go away if somebody, if the industrial host changes their process. By comparison, on-site hydrogen enables a user of hydrogen to omit all of the upstream side, including the, you know, the hydrogen capture, the hydrogen purification, preparation for transportation, and uh, delivery and create the hydrogen at their site as they need it. That's particularly important because hydrogen is a highly hazardous material. And so hydrogen storage is highly regulated. And anything you can do as an industrial customer to reduce your hydrogen storage it makes it easier to comply with safety and environmental regulations. Now, Dave, you've touched on this a little bit, but I'd like to go into a bit more detail if you don't mind. How do you think on-site hydrogen is affecting the supply of hydrogen for customers in North America? One of the things that uh, has happened over the past several years is that there's been tightness of supply of hydrogen in North America. That is primarily, well, it's really due to two things, changes in supply and changes in demand. Supply has failed to keep up with growth of just the organic growth of hydrogen uses. And that's really because of relatively meager investment in hydrogen liquefaction and distribution capacity. So suppliers to the industry have been slow 
to invest in the requirements for hydrogen distribution. At the same time, there's been both organic growth of the existing applications, thermal processing, uh, hydrogen for chemicals, hydrogen for uh, semiconductors and the like, but there's also been important new areas of growth. And the one that I think has been the most impactful uh, has perhaps been uh, hydrogen for vehicle fuel. And here in the United States and in, in Canada, it's mostly for, uh, so far, been for uh, forklifts and industrial equipment. So there's been very, very meaningful growth in the amount of hydrogen used for, for lift trucks. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of leaders in that part of the business. I've seen figures that the hydrogen procurement for a lift truck and related uses is equal to the entire liquid capacity of one of the two majors of liquid hydrogen generation. So, you know, quietly but quickly, that lift truck business has created a, the single largest use of liquid hydrogen. And liquid hydrogen is 90% of the merchant hydrogen in the United States. It's either delivered as a liquid or it's a liquid at some point in its delivery path. So uh, between moderate inv investments in availability and uh, organic growth, but also the spectacular growth of this you know, lift truck uh, and related technologies, it's created a shortfall. Okay, so while we're on the subject of customers, let's talk a bit more about those. Can you give us an idea of the markets, geography, and so forth? Sure. If you think of, uh, as we do, at least uh, in the industrial group at, at Nell, we think of, of, of our addressable hydrogen business as being, uh, on the one hand, industrial applications, and on the other hand, being the newer energy-related applications. So from an industrial standpoint, we look at hydrogen for materials applications. So that would be heat treating, sintering, additive manufacturing, PM or powder metallurgy, metal injection molding, and the like. We look at hydrogen for hydrogenation, so all of the chemical type applications, hydrogen for semiconductors, and then a very specialized uh, market that is highly uh, addressable for us is hydrogen for cooling of power plants. Every large fossil plant uses hydrogen to cool the windings in the electric generator. So because we use electricity to make hydrogen and our equipment is physically the right size for power plants, that particular market segment is highly attractive for our equipment. Obviously, in addition to the industrial applications, you have this uh, tremendous range of new opportunities relating to energy, and that can be for uh, hydrogen for uh, fuel or hydrogen as a chemical intermediate or 
uh, hydrogen for energy storage. Often, uh, and you've probably heard this term from others you've spoken to, that's all, all of those energy applications are addressed as power to X, which means taking renewable or stranded energy and converting it to hydrogen, which can then be used for a wide variety of other applications, which is indicated by the X, meaning a range of other options for that hydrogen. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you. On the customer's side of things, I've heard you mention before about this uh, this idea of crossing the, the chasm to, to grow our customer base from early adopters to, to mainstream hydrogen consumers. Where would you say we are on that? I would say we are surprisingly far along. When we were Proton on-site and Proton Energy at, in the earliest days, we were selling to customers that were either government entities and they, you know, their job is to help support new technologies, or they were customers that had highly specialized problems that we were uniquely suited to address. Essentially, we met a very specific need, whether it be because of facility security and they didn't want deliveries, or purity, they needed the absolute purity of our equipment, or they were utilizing our uh, electrolysis equipment to make isotopes, and there's no other way to make them but, but electrolysis. And, you know, they were able to maybe uh, pay a little bit more money than, than, than another customer, or they were able to, they needed to put up with dealing with a smaller company. These specialized situations are somewhat forgiving. Over time, we have mainstreamed our customer base by becoming uh, more, you know, increasingly reliable, increasingly economical by uh, maximizing our support of customers, both before the sale as well as after the sale. And we've gotten to the point today where on the industrial side, which is the side that I am most familiar with, we are capable of competing with any form of hydrogen delivery. So that would be, you know, cylinders at the low end going up through uh, tube banks or tube trailers for delivery of gas. And in North America, the next increment is the customers who utilize liquid hydrogen. And we have equipment today that can serve mainstream customers cost competitively in all of those usage volume segments. Well, Dave, I'm glad you preempted my next uh, question there. Uh, I was going to say we've been on a historical journey in hydrogen so far, so let's bring it up to speed with the equipment today. And, and on that note, in your opinion, why are electrolyzers so relevant right now? Well, there's two sides to that story, Rob. I think, you know, 90% of the newsprint, 90% of, uh, of the talk is about hydrogen and its part in the energy landscape. And I am fascinated and, and excited about that. So I'll mention it 
and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it, but, but that is not my particular expertise. So I, I'm not going to go into great detail. Certainly from the energy side, the capacity of hydrogen to be an energy carrier is, is just absolutely revolutionizing, for example, the electric generation industry and is a speeding deployment of renewables and making it possible and profitable to decarbonize. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's particularly interesting to see this all happen in the United States, since we tend to, to be driven uh, often by uh, economics rather than necessarily the, you know, the environmental drivers. So I'm going to now go back to the industrial world where I spend most of my time and say that what we found is as our equipment is becoming uh, so reliable and so um, uh, competitive with customary methods of hydrogen supply, people are able to exploit the benefits of on-site hydrogen. In particular, the ability to have hydrogen uh, in, in virtually any quantity without hydrogen inventory. And the reason that's important is that the regulations that apply to, to hydrogen generally require a distance and clearance away from hydrogen storage in order to ensure that if a mishap happens with hydrogen storage, you know, people are not hurt and neighbors and communities are not uh, unduly affected. But it, it drives the entire footprint of an industrial facility because they store hydrogen and because our equipment makes it possible to have hydrogen without inventory that means we can shrink the amount of space required for hydrogen supply so if a company is expanding or opening for example people are opening new facilities for metal additive manufacturing and for those that use hydrogen for the sintering process for metal additive manufacturing if they need to store hydrogen their facility has to offer the space uh, which is used for nothing else but storing hydrogen whereas if they utilize hydrogen generation they can acquire space closer to their customers closer to the skilled workforce they're looking for because hydrogen generation can be done in any industrial space that makes a lot of sense thank you dave um i want to go back to something you said just a few minutes ago about the u.s being driven by economics rather than the environment to a large degree do you think in the chaos of the year behind us and the situation we have going forward do you think that that's changing and do you think that that will mean hydrogen will play a bigger role in the times ahead well, you know, without devolving to a discussion of politics, I, I think that the U.S. will always be more driven by economics. But I think what's, what's particularly encouraging, Lila, is that economics, for the first time in recent memory, is favoring 
the cleaner solutions. That is that the renewable energy technologies paired with energy storage have proven themselves to be competitive with, and in many cases, superior to the, certainly the carbon-based electricity generation. So most of the investment by the utilities in the United States today in electric supply are related to storage and improved distribution rather than base load electric generation. And of course, hydrogen can and is playing an important role in particularly the, the energy storage side of that. Also, hydrogen is the bridge between the electricity market and the chemical market and chemical including fuel. So whether you utilize a, a hydrogen fuel cell vehicle or you operate your uh, fuel uh, your uh, lift trucks on hydrogen or you use hydrogen derived jet fuel hydrogen enables you to take abundant renewable energy and make it into a logistics fuel which you know it's environmentally beneficial and it is economically advantageous that's a, a very interesting uh, angle in the episode, I think. We've had a lot of calls to action just this year, actually, at H2View about uh, the political side in, in North America and possibly falling behind the rest of the world uh, in their progress in hydrogen. I mean, on the subject of change, you've been working with hydrogen for many years now. How has the industry changed since you first joined it? And on that note of, you know, politically charged, where do you see it going in the future? Well, certainly, again, to distinguish between the industrial side and, and the energy side, we see a tremendous number of new potential hydrogen users, mostly involved in the energy side of the business. Bluntly, there's a lot of noise out there, you know, and we spend a, a meaningful amount of time trying to distinguish real customers from people who are flocking to a new area, which is exciting. But out of this, we think will result a tremendous amount of innovation on the, the energy side. And the energy business overall is so incredibly massive and hydrogen can glue or serve as a bridge between both you know the the massive electricity side and the massive call it uh, hydrocarbon or formerly hydrocarbon based side so hydrogen has an enormous enormous role to play going forward we also see some very exciting areas on the industrial side I'll give you two or three examples, which we found particularly uh, exciting. Uh, hydrogen for uh, advanced metal-based manufacturing. That includes things like, you know, the, the various advanced powder-based technologies like PM or uh, powder metallurgy, metal injection molding, 
and the newest additive manufacturing, the ones that use uh, sintering furnaces, all employ hydrogen and they enable industry to just absolutely upend traditional metal assembly and uh, manufacturing. And also hydrogen is used in a wide range of technologies related to laying down of coatings, both thicker coatings in the form of thermal, thermal spray. So that would be things like plasma spray or uh, hydrogen oxygen uh, thermal spray, but also molecular thickness coatings from technologies like CVD. People are growing diamonds, for example, using CVD. And all of these technologies can benefit and are benefiting today from deployment of on-site hydrogen led by now, frankly. On that note, do you have any specific on-site hydrogen stories you think listeners would be interested in hearing about? I think the one that, that our listeners would be most familiar with is we have uh, 18 Nell hydrogen generators deployed with, that we were sold to, a, a Ford engine assembly plant in Canada, Lila, and uh, this is at a, a massive Ford engine uh, building plant. And these 18 hydrogen generators are serving to supply hydrogen for plasma spray of a cast iron-like lining on the inner cylinder bore of aluminum engine blocks for Ford Motor. And this cast iron lining is used for durability in the aluminum engines. It replaces heavier, less satisfactory press-in linings that were formerly used. And the aluminum engine blocks are being built for the Ford EcoBoost engine, which is used in the Ford F-150 pickup, which is North America's largest sales vehicle family for over 36 years. So we're very proud of that use of our hydrogen generators. And it was chosen in part for that because if you think about this gigantic facility and the need to put a big hydrogen tank outside someplace, and then pipe hydrogen through this whole facility in order to serve this singular application for hydrogen. Instead, Ford Motor Company creates hydrogen at the torch as it's needed. And once that hydrogen is consumed in the torch, there's no hydrogen in their facility. That's a fascinating story, Dave. Thank you. And I appreciate that you got the uh, Canada reference in there. <laughs> <laughs> we could go on all day chatting about these sorts of things, but unfortunately, we are just about out of time. Briefly, what are the key takeaways you'd like listeners to get from our chat today? Well, I think 
I, I guess the message I'd like to get across is that one of the challenges for 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 Proton and now Nail over the years in the industrial world has been making people aware that on-site hydrogen was a alternative. It's a little bit like the days when everybody got their their milk delivered to their house by the by the milkman. And you had to make people aware that there was other ways to get your milk. Well, in this case, it's even better because you can get your hydrogen and you can make it yourself. And so we've spent an enormous amount of effort just on education and awareness. And if my goal of this conversation would be to create additional awareness that on-site hydrogen for industrial applications is, is economical and is mainstream and offers advantages across a whole range of customer needs, uh, safety, cost, uh, stability, reliability, regardless of what's going on in the broader economy, and that hydrogen generation can make our customers more profitable. Sounds really good. Thank you, Dave. And, and hopefully these podcasts will help get that message across and help with the overall communication around uh, hydrogen. I know that that's something that Rob and I have uh, spoken quite a bit about. So thanks very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Rob, over to you. Any last points to make? Well, it was a particularly pertinent conversation with Dave today, for me at least, because I too came more from the industrial gas side of the coin with Gasworld for so many years. So I can certainly relate to a lot of the points we've heard made today. What I would add to that is exactly that sense of learning that we perhaps haven't discussed quite so much today. We just touched upon it at the end there. There's so much history, so much experience and expertise in hydrogen just from the industrial industry alone to bring to the table today. I mean, there are often some very inaccurate statements or questions raised about hydrogen safety and availability, and we have this whole Bible of experience that dispels all of those myths. It's safe, we have the standards and the expertise in it, we have the technologies around it that have been proven over decades and decades. It's a message that many people are trying to get across, but i just like to add to that chorus again here today, and Dave's just demonstrated that. Absolutely. And I think we've seen and will continue to see throughout this series of podcasts as we explore the history of Nell that there's a century of expertise in electrolysis and hydrogen from that perspective too. Absolutely. And I also love learning the term kludgy. <laughs> All right. Well, before we call it quits for the day, I have to file a complaint with you, Rob. Oh, sounds serious. It is. You haven't mentioned purple a single time today. You're not losing your hydrogen color loyalty on me now, are you? <laughs> of course not. Uh, it's all this Canadian talk at the beginning that just threw me <laughs> off momentarily. That's all. I'll step up my purple game next week, I promise. Well, that's all I ask. Well, we both know that's not true, sidekick. <laughs> all right, you got me there. Okay, well, thanks for joining the chat today, Rob. And thank you, our audience, for tuning in to this episode of Purple is the New Green. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to check out our website, nellhydrogen.com forward slash podcasts for more episodes as they're released. And you can also subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to tune in. 
Come back next week for more Hydrogen Talk.